Hey everyone, I'm Joyce. And I'm Doyen Sola. And you're listening to The Confidant. A podcast where we discuss the news you need to know at the intersection of business, tech, and culture. On today's episode, we're going to get into Google's employee pay leak, the spike in gas prices again, how Square's latest outage costs businesses thousands in lost earnings, and the amount of waste coming from vapes. But before we get into all of that, we just want to shout out a major pop culture moment. Miss Coco Goff won the U.S. Open Women's Single Title at the tender age of 19, and she's the youngest American to do it since Serena Williams in 1999. Coco Goff has really taken the tennis world by storm. She defeated Arena Sablenka, and it's just a big full circle moment for her. There was this really cute video that came out when she was eight years old dancing in the bleachers. Did you get to see that? I did. It's so precious. And it's just amazing that 11 years later, she's not just Coco. She's champion Coco. Put some respect on her name. Since the beginning of the tournament, Coco was a force to be reckoned with. There was one game where she was literally playing the game and she also had to be the umpire because the umpire wasn't doing her job. And she just came with it from the beginning. I'm so happy she won. They even had to deal with climate protesters at one point, coming in and interrupting the whole event, putting the game on pause for more than 40 minutes. I know that must have been like a shocker, a disruption to the flow, but she didn't let anything get in her way of the title. And I love that. You know, it's so funny. I went to the U.S. Open for the first time last year. And after that experience, I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to learn how to play tennis. And my running joke was like, Serena needs a prodigy. Like, she needs who's going to come next. And it's going to be me. Clearly, it's Coco. You might be riding her coattails on that one. But I'm sure that there's room in the tennis world for all of us to have a little fun. (laughs) And the outfits are cute, so I might join you. The outfits are like... 60% of why I love tennis, if I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe 90%. It's a look. Depending on where you live in the United States, your gas prices may be getting even higher. The national average price of unleaded gasoline was $3.82 a gallon on September 9th, up from $3.81 on September 7th, according to the AAA or American Automobile Association. If you live in a place like California, Pennsylvania, Vermont, Montana, Connecticut, and Iowa, your gas prices are getting even pricier. Didn't we already go through this in the beginning of the year? Yeah, I mean, last year, gas prices hit a record of $5.02 a gallon in June 2022. Then the prices started to come down, started to get better, but now it looks like it's on its way up again. Oh my gosh. And I already know people are still feeling the pinch of inflation, wondering how they can stretch a dollar. And this news is not going to be very welcome. What are some places where gas isn't so much of a squeeze? If you live in a state near the Gulf of Mexico, like Texas and Mississippi, then your gas is going to be lower since that is where the oil is refined. And if you live in states like New York, Washington, and Illinois, your gas is going to be a bit lower. That's good news for us up here, you in New York, me in New Jersey. 
it is nice to ride the train and not have to worry about this added expense, but I feel for you guys hitting the highways and the byways. Just to give some context, some analysts are saying that extreme heat is a reason. It's sidelining refinery activity, limiting supply of gas, diesel, and jet fuel, all according to CNN. Saudi Arabia and Russia, which are both members of OPEC, the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries, said they're going to put out 1.3 million less barrels per day combined until the end of the year. All of this while the U.S. and Europe are urging OPEC to raise their output to secure lower energy costs and help the global economy. In the era of more pay transparency, the public is now learning about what Google pays its employees and discrepancies that fall along racial lines. So Insider obtained an internal document. It's a spreadsheet with more than 12,000 U.S. staff reporting their annual salaries. The spreadsheet revealed that Black employees at Google make $20,000 less than their white coworkers on average. Positions listed in the spreadsheet included software engineers, business analysts, salespeople, and attorneys. It also found disparities between men and women's salaries, with men making more in almost every sector, minus the direct sales role. It's also important to note that Indigenous and Hispanic staff were also reported to make less than their white and Asian co-workers. Honestly, this is so disappointing to hear. It's 2023, and there are such large pay gaps based on something you cannot control. It's not that these people are less qualified. It's not that these people are incapable of doing their jobs. Like, I just don't know why this is even still happening especially if this is something that people are reporting themselves. It's just sad to see that the discrepancies do fall along these lines so consistently. I'm not surprised that something like this would have leaked because I feel like there's been a greater movement for more pay transparency among companies. Workers want to know what they can earn. And when states like New York, like Colorado, passed pay transparency laws, where they mandated jobs in certain regions to post exactly how much they're paying, whether it's a direct number or a range, people were learning that they were underpaid in the positions that they currently held. So if a job put out a listing for an additional manager and you're in that position, you're seeing that the numbers don't add up to what's hitting your bank account every week, people had questions. It put the ball in the workers' court in a way to be able to push back, but companies then have to figure out how to address what's out there publicly and how they act behind closed doors. We've seen study after study that it makes sense to value your diverse workforce. And valuing them is not just giving them a pizza party every Friday or a lot of lip service, but showing with how you compensate them that you value them. I mean, there's research from Deloitte, Boston Consulting Group, the Harvard Business Review, and Forbes that all say the same thing. More diverse and inclusive companies are more innovative and more profitable. And then on the flip side of that, employees who are paid more than their peers were more motivated to work harder and performed better than their lower paid colleagues, according to Forbes. 
So it just makes sense as a company to pay people the same. They're going to perform better. They're going to be more motivated regardless of their race and their background. But here's the thing about Google too, right? Like this is in tech where people are making a lot of money. So if like the pay discrepancies are this large in tech, I can't even imagine what it is in other industries. Can we really be surprised though when diversity and inclusion programs are being defunded all over the country? I know a lot of the times it's the conversations around education, but that could only trickle into the workforce and cause a lasting impact. Remember DNI leaders leaving or being fired from their companies earlier in the spring and summer? This is just another example of how the culture is changing and how it impacts employees in real time. We're dealing with people's livelihoods here. Joyce, do you vape? No, that's not really my cup of tea. Vaping is really popular. And in the UK, it's creating a bit of a disposal recycling problem because 5 million disposable vapes are thrown away each week in the United Kingdom, which is a fourfold increase from last year, according to research from a recycling campaign group called Material Focus. I thought that these were supposed to be things that were refillable, right? Like I thought you're supposed to be able to use them over a long period of time. That's what I thought too, but only 17% of vapors recycle their vapes in the correct recycling bins. And because vapes contain copper wires and lithium batteries, when that's incorrectly disposed, it could cause fires and it is causing fires. One UK waste company, which collects about a tenth of the country's waste, says lithium batteries, including vapes, cause around one fire a day in its facilities, according to the BBC. There's always something with these lithium batteries. I mean, they use them in phones too. And remember when Samsung had that issue where their phones were exploding or (laughs) people riding electric bikes around and the bikes are exploding? It's feeling real dangerous. You can't touch anything around here these days. Here's the catch. All disposable vapes that are thrown away in a year contain enough lithium to provide batteries for 5,000 electric cars. So there is recycling value. It's just a matter of people actually doing it. You think they might have to roll out a campaign like recycle your vapes every day. (laughs) Not a jingle. If people are going to be using these devices, they need to be able to encourage the public to see the value in recycling and not just because I said so. Because people are vaping in the UK People are smoking cigarettes over there. There's just a different culture around smoking altogether. I don't know if they get the same messaging that we did in the U.S. growing up, like when we had D.A.R.E. and we had those assemblies and those commercials with very graphic images and sounds. Right. Like they do have a different smoking culture. And I wonder if the U.S. is also having a similar recycling problem. Now, this is quite interesting to me because the youth do appear to be a bit more environmentally conscious than older generations. So I'm a little bit shocked that there is this disconnect with recycling. The BBC said that younger vapors are more likely to dispose their vapes incorrectly, including flushing them down the toilet to hide them from parents. That sounds real Degrassi. It also comes with a pretty large price tag to recycle these vapes properly. 
it could cost around 200 million pounds, but that cost is not being met by producers, importers, or retailers, according to Material Focus. Well, consider this a public service announcement to all you vape birds. <laughs> to all of you who partake, if you're going to vape, throw away your cartridges so our oceans can be nice and clear. We don't have to worry about fires and things exploding next to us in the trash. Do the right thing. Recycle your vape. Oh my God, the jingle. Hold on, what rhymes with vapes? Or are you not gonna go on any dates? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Everybody lend a hand. Everybody do your part. If no. you even have a little heart. Throw away your vapes in the bin. When you recycle, we all win. So Square, the payment processing company had a huge outage, which caused its customers to lose out on thousands of dollars in revenue. Square's system is usually set up as a sleek, digital-friendly alternative for traditional cash registers, and it's used by millions of small businesses around the country, including restaurants and food vendors. When the network was down, lots of them were unable to process their transactions, and the outage even affected some cash app services. It disrupted phone support, so people couldn't even call to get help, online stores, and even stopped employees from clocking in and out of their shifts. I actually noticed this when I was out trying to grab lunch before work. Thank God I had a bit of cash on me. Did you run into this at all? I didn't, but I wish I did. Did you hear that there was an ice cream store in Brooklyn that started handing out free ice cream once their services went down? Yes, Van Leeuwen, their ice cream is so good, and I know that people were excited, but the people who were not happy were restaurant owners. Lots of places around the country were giving away free food to avoid waste. One man told NBC News that as the owner of a gourmet ice cream business, he's used to occasional outages with Square, but he estimates that this one cost his company $8,000 to $10,000. Oh my goodness, that's a lot. It's pretty surprising to see this kind of outage for a company that has been held as the new wave in financial transactions and more places are leaning towards being cashless, touchless. The Square interface, it looks nice. The white tablet that you often see in front of restaurants and businesses, it makes things seem very sleek, minimal, so it's appealing from a design perspective, and it's very popular. Sorry, I am still thinking about the gourmet ice cream shop owner that is making so much money, he could lose $10,000 in revenue in a day. Maybe I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> but that aside, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, we're being encouraged to be cashless touchless, cardless, the technology behind this way of living and conducting transactions, they don't really have room for outages. And I wonder what even caused it in the first place. Right. Well, it seems like Square hasn't really revealed the true cause. They did reach out to their customers via email during the outage. And once everything was finished by Friday afternoon, they put out a statement saying that they apologize for the inconvenience and that they're still working to get all functionality back up and running. I bet some of those people who were relying on Square previously, that was the final straw. The same gourmet ice cream business owner in Pennsylvania, he said he's already shopping for another service provider. 
And now it's time for a little something sweet. Doyen, what's on your mind? Well, this weekend I went to see Asha Ke in concert at the Barclays Center and it was so much fun, had a good time. And honestly, it just made me super proud to watch, you know, this Nigerian artist be able to sell out a stadium after not being on the scene that long. It's great to witness other people's success and it's super inspiring. It's so cool to see the meteoric rise of a lot of these artists and see how they break through the mainstream and grab audiences all over the world. This is a huge moment for a Nigerian artist. All of my Nigerian friends were there. Nobody sent me a little invite or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a moment for the culture. I'm going to let y'all have it because Ashake is very talented and I'm sure this will not be his last appearance in New York City. I got you next time on the invite. I didn't know if you listened to Ashake like that, but don't worry about it. Next time, next time. If they can convert you over to the beehive, you know, I could do a little switch too. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't he say it was lonely at the top? It's room for everybody now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna get to the bottom of who's teaching you all of these things. What is your something sweet? I am a summer baby through and through. But this global warming has been heating up like no other. There's heat and then there's what we Haitians call chalet. A chalet. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It has been so hot this summer. So when I felt that soft kiss of an autumn's wind, Come on, (laughs) poetry. You know, I started out as a writer. Don't play with it, don't play with it. It was so refreshing and it let me know that extreme heat has made way for a new seasonal baddie and that is the fall. Oh, sweater weather. Sweater weather. Sweater weather. Oh, God, I was... Finally, sweater weather. Sweater weather. About time. It's about time. So I cannot wait to embrace it with the outfits, the boots, the jackets, the furs, and not be sweating my butt off every time I step outside. I'm always going to be team heat over team cold. And I know, you know, fall and spring, they're fun, they're cute. They're just so short. Like, we get that perfect fall weather and then boom, it's cold. See, and that's the reason why I'm so optimistic, because whatever we thought we knew about the weather, those Old rules are out of the window. We are in a new era. Snow barely touched the ground last year in New York. I think that fall will be much longer than it usually is, and we won't have to worry about the cold weather coming in until spring, to be honest. You know, maybe it might change. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Confidant. We are your hosts, Doyen and Joyce, and we can't wait to see you next time. Bye!